Welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Hello, everyone. Today, your host is Andriy Kornichuk. I'm a policy analyst on international relations at the Foundation for European Progressive Studies, and we welcome you to our podcast series, Fab's Talks. We are nearing to 150 episodes where you can find lots of interesting information on topics ranging from social issues, economy, politics, and many more. So you're welcome to check them out. And today's discussion, we would like to target a very fascinating region and very fascinating uh, thematic scope, and that is Brazil. So Brazil's political landscape fascinates experts across the globe, be it vibrant democracy, complex social political landscape, and the country's ability to navigate diverse ideologies and challenges, while of course continuously striving for progress. Um, certainly, Brazil's voice and actions have the potential to shape global policies and contribute to finding solutions to pressing global challenges. These challenges could be climate change, sustainable development, or changing the, the peace and security architecture. What we want to discuss today is what changes should we expect to EU-Brazil relations, but also to the position of Brazil worldwide, under the presidency of Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. Let's recall a quick fact. Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva was elected in the second round on the 30th of October 2022 as the president of Brazil. What is interesting and important is the first Brazilian to have a three-term presidency since Gentulia Vargas, and he was inaugurated on the 1st of January 2023. So making that longer introduction, uh, we certainly uh, are fascinated Brazil. There's a lot of intricacies, challenges, complexities, but we do have an excellent expert today to help us disentangle all these complex political challenges that might emerge in the Brazilian sea. Today with me is Mayara Foli, is the executive director and co-founder of Plataforma Cipo, a Brazil-based think tank, which focuses on issues of climate, governance, international relations. Mayara obtained her master's degree from the Department of International Development at the University of Oxford and a bachelor's degree in international relations from the Pontifical Catholic University in Rio de Janeiro. So Mayara, welcome. We are very happy and I am really honored to have you uh, today with us. I would like you perhaps to tell us a few words about your organization and when and how it was established. Perhaps you can also share one, two standout project activities that you think that our listeners uh, should definitely follow uh, within what uh, you do. Hi, everyone. So thank you, Andre, for the introduction. As you mentioned, we are a Brazil-based think tank. We are an organization which is led by women, and we conduct research, communication, and advocacy work on all things related to climate change, global governance, and Brazil's foreign policy. And one of the core mission uh, of CIPOP is precisely to foster international cooperation among Brazil and other key partners. And we see the European Union as one of them. And that's why we're here today talking to you. Thank you. I think what the main topic we, we invited you to discuss today uh, as let's call it informally, the prospects for Brazilian foreign policy and relations within the European Union. Perhaps let's jump into our content-related discussion. Let's look at the present and the future of, of uh, EU-Brazil relations, which, of course, you as an expert have been following for many years and have a very good insider look. So how, how do you assess uh, the current state of these relations? And I'm sure that many of our listeners know that the saying that we, we, we can always strive for, for more perfection. So in that sense, maybe you can also identify those areas that you think can 
be improved in terms of these relations? What can be done to to reach better or, or sort of discover more synergy between both uh, partners? Thank you, Andre. This is very a uh, very good question. So I'll try to be brief. I see the current state of relation as a moment to rebuild trust on both sides. As you know, Brazil has gone through a period of extreme turbulence, starting with the controversial impeachment of former President Dilma Rousseff in 2016, and then the imprisonment of then former President Lula, which prevented him from running for presidency when he was leading the polls, and then the election of extreme right President Jair Bolsonaro, who despised international cooperation and who ultimately made Brazil an international barrier for many reasons, but especially for his destructive policies towards the environment and human rights. And on the other hand, the EU also faced very significant challenges, for instance, as a result of the mishandling of a large influx of refugees in 2015, the rise of the extreme right in some of the EU member states, and the prolonged and, to some extent, painful Brexit process. So both Brazil and the EU have gone through significant challenges recently, which no doubt has had an impact in the bilateral relations. And I believe we are now in this moment of trying to put that behind and to regain trust and to try to identify a positive agenda that could inform cooperation between them. And I believe there's a genuine desire from the Brazilian government to work closely with the European Union. During a recent visit of the president of the EU Commission to Brazil, Lula actually mentioned a few areas where he thinks the EU and Brazil have already a lot in common, but areas that we could further elaborate in terms of cooperation. And these include efforts to enhance and reform multilateral institutions, to promote peace and respect for human rights, and naturally the issue of trade, investments, and sustainable development that encompasses apologies. So that encompasses the fight against climate change, poverty, and inequality. So there's a lot to be done at the moment, and I think we we have a, a good moment for that. Thank you. That 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 sounds um, um, optimistic. So it gives a bit of a, a positive vibe at the very beginning of, of our discussion. What I would like to ask you is, is certainly EU is an important actor, but uh, European integration is not the only game in town. And obviously, Brazil is a very important actor globally within the multilateral global affairs system. And there are others who are seeking its interests, who are seeking partnerships. Obviously, we can mention US, we can mention China, we can mention different formats like BRICS. But I would like to ask you to explain uh, to, to me and our, our listeners where you see these other actors, perhaps some of them, you could call them illiberal, maybe less democratic uh, than, than the EU, what they bring to the table that 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 might also interest Brazil. Where do you see you can successfully compete and maybe what areas... You, you see that not necessarily and the EU has an advantage or something that it can still need to strengthen. Yeah, to put it into context for our audience, China has been Brazil's main trading partner since 2009. And it's also a major economic and investment partners to all uh, major South American countries. And I think this is dynamic is likely to persist and the same applies to the US, which did lose quite a bit of space in the region over the past 10 years or so, including as a result of China's increased 
uh, influence. But the U.S. is still a very significant trade partner for Brazil, and so is the EU in many ways. So now, as you know, we have a huge and heated debate about the EU-Mercosur agreement and whether this will have any prospect of enhancing those relations. And I think the, the agreement has a potential not only to increase trade, which is an obvious one, but also to foster political cooperation between the two blocs. And I'd say that this could open up possibilities for advancing relations on other areas, including investments, for instance, in infrastructure, renewable energies and other sectors. And I think the agreement could also have geopolitical implications in the sense that increasing exchanges between the two regions I think it's important for establishing a multipolar international order and, and, and thereby avoiding a dominant what we call G2, so a configuration of the world which is entirely centered around the US and China. But on the other hand, in its current terms, I'd say that the agreement risks perpetuating an imbalanced uh, trade relationship where South American nations primarily export raw materials while they increase their imports of industrial and chemical products from the EU. There's also legitimate concerns that the deal could lead to greater extractivist and deforestation pressures on, on Mercosur countries, given the emphasis that it has on the exports of commodities such as soil, livestock, which are very closely linked to risk biomes such as the Amazon and the Brazilian Cerrado. And finally, there is a concern that has been raised by President Lula on multiple occasions recently, which is that the agreement could harm the reindustrialization efforts carried out by Mercosur nations, for instance, by allowing EU companies to benefit from Mercosur's government's purchase in certain sectors. So at the moment, I think there's clearly some imbalances that need to be addressed, but I see a lot of political will from Brazil, which, by the way, has just assumed the presidency of Mercosul, to work with the EU and to try to find common ground and reach an agreement that is seen as beneficial and acceptable to both sides. Uh, again, thank you for, for, for trying to explain, I think, the complex puzzle that, that sometimes is uh, politics not only in Latin America or Brazil, but, but worldwide. So it's, it's not easy sometimes and very often, I would say, issue to uh, to approach. You already made a few reflections and few uh, observations with, with, within your um, um, description that I think could be a bridge to, to another area, thematic area that I think is very much important and crucial, maybe even existential, some people would and experts would believe. And um, now I, I am referring to Sustainable development, just ecological transition, I think even for those people who not necessarily follow or have a keen interest in the political scene in Brazil, they of course know Brazil for, for its fascinating nature, touristic attractions, but, but certainly know uh, of the Amazon of Brazil being called very often the lungs of the planet. So that key and crucial role. So let's let's try to, to dive a little bit uh, into these issues which are central to Brazil and central to the European Union. So again, um, referring to, to your question or your suggestion of the need to rebuild and look for common areas, maybe let's give our listeners a bit more context. So maybe a question looking at tackling climate crisis or the uh, energy, digital transition, sustainable urbanization, 
there are a number of areas that the EU could certainly, it seems, uh, help um, with investment, with support of, of Brazil. Could you maybe go a bit more into details and, and really maybe even explain us the Brazilian expectations? So what would the Brazilian side, the Brazilian nation, the society, the political elites accept, see as, as EU bring to the table? And also, how would you see this being more balanced, uh, partner-driven? These kind of insights and ideas, uh, I think, would be very much interested for, for those of us who don't have that insider knowledge of the society and political scene in Brazil. Uh, I'll start by mentioning some information about a survey that has been recently conducted across Latin American countries and interviewing around 12,000 people which declared that Europe is the preferred region for partnership compared to other regions of the world. Over two-thirds stated that they have a good or even very good vision of their country's relationship with the EU. And this same survey points out that nearly 71% of the respondents, and in the case of Brazil, 61% declared that climate change is the global problem that concerns them the most. So I believe this demonstrates that there is a significant potential to increase cooperation between Brazil and the EU to address the climate crisis. Germany is already the second largest donor uh, of the Amazon fund, and the EU has already expressed the desire to also contribute to the fund. Brazil is the EU's second largest supplier of agricultural commodities, which of course creates opportunities, but also responsibilities to cooperate more closely, especially on low-carbon agricultural strategies, because not only do Brazil and several EU countries have enormous agricultural potential, but this sector also accounts for a large share of the greenhouse gas emissions on both continents. So it's very important to promote the exchange of good practice and cooperation initiatives such as low-carbon agriculture plans, methane emission reductions, sustainable management of forests, recovery of the greater land. So there's a huge range of possibilities that could elevate Brazil's and European Union's contribution to climate change. And when we think about investments, that could potentially benefit both sides. During a recent visit uh, to Brasilia earlier this year, the vice president of the EU Commission, she has put forward the idea of a strategic partnership on critical minerals for the green and digital transition. And this is an ambition is aligned with the EU proposed Critical Raw Materials Act, which seeks to achieve supply chain and security in the European Union. And Brazil does have vast reserves of some of these critical materials and is also interested in receiving investments to foster its own green transition. But you talk a little bit about expectation. So in terms of expectations, I say that Brazil's political elite and society to a large extent are now less willing to act as mere providers of raw materials and have a stronger expectation of more equal partnerships. So any project which is aimed at promoting an energy transition in Brazil in order to be mutually beneficial, we must be careful not to ad- repeat mistakes that we've seen in the past where investments did not necessarily result in technological transfer. A lot of those investments were also marked by social environmental impacts, the expansion of precarious labor conditions. So taking into account what I've just mentioned, I believe 
We should be prioritizing opportunities for cooperation in science and technology and innovation and the establishment of joint projects where Brazilian companies can participate not only in mineral extraction, but also in the production of added green technologies made from those critical minerals. It's inevitably seems as a logical uh, pathway to take, and in this case, is to take this broader view on the changes and modalities of cooperation that are needed even beyond the, the EU-Brazil cooperation. So suddenly Brazil for, for a number, not even for a number of years, so I guess, but let's say it's intrinsically linked Brazil's role on the international arena as someone who's, who's thinking about multilateral or the global order, global relations, has a certain stance or position on how it wants to see um, sort of international relations develop. In that case, it would be extremely interesting, I think, for for, for all of us uh, to hear a bit on how this, under the, the, the current president, how you expect and see this role unfold. We certainly can take a climate, combating climate crisis as, as a case study, as an example, to look how Brazil sees global cooperation uh, evolve, under what structures, are there any ideas on the reform process, any changes, fine-tuning, <laughs> uh, are there these critical, less critical? Uh, maybe I'll start with this question as, as an introduction. So let's look at that uh, global dimension, Brazil's role, expectation, perhaps its leadership role uh, moving uh, forward, if you can share with us. Brazil has been traditionally uh, very vocal in calling for a reform of multilateral institutions, including the United Nations and within the United Nations, the UN Security Council in particular. Brazil considers it to be ineffective and no longer representative of the current global power distribution if you compare to when it was first established in, in the 40s. And I think it's also the view of some European countries. Germany, for instance, is a strong partner of Brazil in the call for reform of the UN Security Council. So, so this is one area that has been uh, traditionally a priority for Brazil and for Lula in particular. But I see a lot of potential for the EU and Brazil to cooperate in an area which we know is a priority for this administration, which is promoting the sustainable development goals, not only within Brazil, but globally. And finally, the issue of the reform of the financial system. Later this year, in December, Brazil will assume the presidency of the G20, which is a group that, of course, the EU is also a part of. And a topic that will be very high in the agenda is the issue of debt relief for developing countries and the need for structural reform of the financial institutions so that they are fairer and more, more oriented towards tackling inequalities and not creating new ones, as it seems to be the case Today, France seems to have uh, similar views to some extent. It has recently hosted in Paris a summit to discuss precisely this issue of the global financial architecture. So I think Brazil and the EU can play a real difference in these international discussions for the reform of multilateral institutions that we know today are not being capable to deliver the responses that we expect in terms of climate change, digital transformation, peace and security, among other things. And I, I immediately want to target, uh, I, I think, something of a challenge. Um, if 
that is central to, to the current state of political debate in Europe, which is certainly the, the Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine and the shockwaves it sent across the globe. Uh, so I think it's clearly that being here based in Brussels, we have a sound understanding of the expectations we have for, for, from this ongoing war and how we want to end it and how we want to see the emerging peace and security architecture. Brazil being geographically distance far away from nevertheless has always also played a very important role in terms of trying to position itself as a peace actor. Certainly this area seems uh, very challenging. So Russia's invasion is a very challenging issue for almost everyone globally. And I think it's, it's again for us who are based here in Europe, it's extremely useful and important to hear also how this issue of, let's say, emerging or already changed security landscape, peace landscape, peace architecture is being viewed from Brazil. What perhaps the trends expectations you would have regarding um, the, the discussion on, on, on this specific issue of peace security worldwide. As again, I, I just to, to, to confirm, I think it's very central now to EU. So certainly, I, I'm sure it, it comes up in all of the discussions or behind the scenes, even if you discuss other areas that we targeted together. This is a topic which is gathering lots of interest in Brazil and elsewhere. I think it's important for us to start with what is Brazil's position in relation to the war? Brazil's official position condemns the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Brazil voted against Russia at the UN General Assembly on two occasions, including a resolution that demanded Russia to immediately end its invasion of Ukraine and to unconditionally withdraw all its military forces from the country. Lula has also proposed uh, the creation of what he's calling a peace club, which is made of states that he refers as states that have nothing to do with the war. So states such as China, India, Brazil, of course. And his idea is to get them together to encourage peace talks between those who are directly involved in the conflict. Ultimately, I'd say that Brazil stands towards this war is consistent with the principle of peaceful resolution of conflicts, which has long guided Brazil's foreign policy, regardless of the political ideology of who is in government. And I believe that despite the EU's apparent and to some extent understandable desire for Brazil to take sides, the new government is very unlikely to follow an automatic alignment with the EU position. And in fact, Lula has already declined to sell armed vehicles and ammunition to Ukraine following a request by German Chancellor during his visit to Brasilia in January. But instead, the EU might find in Brazil an actor that is eager to participate in future efforts to find a political solution to the war when conditions allow, which does not seem to be the case yet. But I think it's very important that regular dialogue and cooperation channels between the two actors continue to take place to ensure that these different views with regards to Ukraine does not have a negative impact on other areas where Brazil and the EU do agree on. And I think that a good start would be to carry out a new edition of the EU-Brazil Summit, which was held for the last time in 2014. So I think it is about time that we create a space to build a new 
positive agenda for the bilateral relations between Brazil and the EU? Uh, I think it's important that we emphasize that this rebuild indeed has to happen around a positive agenda, um, something that allows us also to, to move forward. I, I think in the concluding and sort of thematic section, uh, I would like to target the following issues. So again, you, you're being well versed and understanding how the common government sort of comes up with certain policy solutions, how it sees its own role and priorities. With the first half of the question, let's say, I, I would like for you again to, to maybe make a brief introduction for those listeners who, again, perhaps do not follow on everyday basis the politics to describe uh, in one, uh, two, three points, uh, depending how you see it, how you see these priorities of the government, what would be the main uh, issues, the main uh, policy areas that the current uh, presidency would like to target in the in the upcoming, let's say, short to medium uh, term perspective, and being sort of a, an outsider, where, where should we turn our attention to perhaps ending or rephrasing it? What's what's more challenging, troubling now the society that that definitely the government wants to pay attention to? So I also hope that for all of us, your your reply will give us a bit of indication of the internal processes uh, in in the country and and. What, what really are those standout uh, issues that, that we should pay attention to? That's a difficult question because I think there are, the, the new government has a lot of desire to do many things on many fronts. But I would highlight the area of environment and climate change. I think it's been very clear from Lula's speech, even before he took office. So he went, for instance, to COP27 in, in Egypt last year. And ever since he took office, he has made clear that tackling deforestation and putting forward more sustainable policies would be an extreme priority for his administration. And promisingly, we have already started to see some results. We saw a somewhat successful operation to expel thousands and thousands of illegal gold miners in, in the Yanomami indigenous lands in the Amazon. The deforestation numbers for the Amazon have also started to drop quite significantly. So I think this shows that there is a, a significant commitment internally and also externally. I'm sure Brazil will play a significant role. Brazil has already pleaded to host COP30, which will be a very important COP, which since, since it's going to mark 10 years since the Paris Agreement. And of course, Brazil will be hosting the G20, and I think it will use it to advance one of its domestic and global priorities, which is the issue of inequality and social distribution. Uh, Lula tends to put the issue of fighting poverty and inequalities at the core of all its major domestic and international appearance. So making sure that we have better governance and structure to make sure that we don't have countries which cannot afford to fight climate change, for instance, because the level of debt is so much. So I'd say inequality on the one hand and environmental protection on the other hand are the things to watch. And a third one, if I had to say, is the issue of democracy. As you know, Brazil, like other countries such as the U.S., has passed a phase, a dark phase of its history with attempts to overthrow a democratically elected leader, which, of course, failed, thankfully. And thanks to our institutions that have suffered but continue to operate. So I think there will be a, a strong desire to look out for partners like the EU, like the United States, to ensure that we can promote uh, democracy and tackle hate speech uh, throughout the world. 
So I will immediately jump in and 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 reflecting on on the second part of the question. So uh, thank you again for for explaining um, how should we try to approach and understand Brazil a bit from the from this inside, from the perspective of its society and priorities for the government. The second question uh, again targets uh, or finalizes some sums up uh, our today's discussion on Brazil EU relations. But let's let's make it a bit more interesting. So uh, we indeed say it's, it's very positive to focus on the positive agenda and rebuild it around positive issues. But if it's possible for you to say, in terms of building these relations, what traps, what challenges should be avoided? So what what the EU should not do when it approaches Brazil? I, I think sometimes it's very important to to actually emphasize the mistakes, to find your own limitations, to understand. Actually, what's your starting point and what shouldn't you do? And then, of course, move into more positive agenda. But maybe sort of to round it up a bit on it. So uh, if you have any advice being uh, to us for um, sort of coming now and uh, from Brazil to uh, to Europe, to, to Belgium, to Brussels, uh, would be very interesting uh, to hear it. I think the first thing, the main thing in my view is to seek to understand where Brazil is coming from. Uh, we talk a little bit about the issue of Ukraine, which is naturally a very sensitive uh, issue for Europe. It's a war which is happening in its neighborhood. But it's important to look at also from the perspective of Brazil, from an outsider of why it thinks that we should be talking about peace. As I said, we might not have the moment yet, but I think both sides agree that peace is necessary and it will come a time in which people will have to sit down and talk and agree the terms of the peace. So I think creating this understanding, listening to each other and preventing that this agenda that might not be a positive one contaminates other agenda. It's one thing. And this apply understanding applied to other issues as well. Think of the environment. The EU has passed regulation to stop importing products which are linked to deforestation, which everyone celebrated because, of course, it's a positive measure. But if you look at the position of Brazil's government, we had, for instance, recently Brazil's ambassador to the EU calling this legislation unilateral, punitive, and discriminatory. And at first, you'd be like, but why is he saying that? And I think we need to look deeper into aspects such as Fears of, for instance, this legislation being instrumentalized for protectionist reasons, or also pressure, internal pressures. We have a very strong and politically organized agribusiness sectors, which puts pressure on the government. So I see that both sides have good arguments, for instance, in an issue like that, but we will only move forward if we try to talk as a first step and to cooperate. In this case, I see there's huge potential for cooperation for the EU to support Brazil, for instance, in implementing its own national policies to tackle deforestation, not only by contributing to the Amazon, but Brazil has a quite robust plan to reduce deforestation in the Amazon, which we call in Portuguese PPCDA. We have a low carbon agriculture program that the EU could support. So I am being repetitive, but I do think seeking to understand and make sure making sure that we have the mechanism to continue the dialogue on a respectable basis i'm sure and i'm 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 quite confident there's a lot of people who would love to hear and read more on on how you comment your expertise your analysis 
Uh, could you, in the end, perhaps give our listeners an indication where they should check out if, if they want to, to have an in-depth analysis of, of the ongoing sort of processes in Brazil, its position? Uh, is it the website of Plataforma Cipo, maybe social media, anything that, uh, that you feel could be uh, useful, relevant to share with our listeners so they can follow and get a bit of an in-depth understanding of Brazil? Sure. Well, first, I would advise you to go to our website, plataformacipo.org. It's available both in Portuguese and in English, but we're also very active on social media. So Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, everything. This year, we have a, a very busy plate. We have coming up the UCLAC Summit in Brussels. Brazil is now at the presidency of Mercosul. In December, we're going to be at the presidency of G20. So we at CIPO will be producing analysis on all those issues. So if you're interested in foreign policy, the role of Brazil in the world, South-South cooperation, all things related to foreign policy, do check it out. I do encourage everyone to check it out. And a few uh, concluding words for me as well. So first of all, I, I'm extremely thankful to all our colleagues at FAPS who helped us prepare this excellent conversation. So Elena Hill, Rodrigo Bassana, last but not least, uh, Taina Lechi, who was um, an extremely important person behind the scenes to make our talk today a possibility. I would also like to mention that if you would like to have that in-depth view on, on uh, Lula's new government and prospects for Brazilian foreign policy, please go ahead and, and read the policy brief um, that, will, that, that will be published on that topic, which, which Mayara has won and spent a considerable amount of time and her expertise to, to explain these intricacies. And of course, just to end on a note, again, I encourage you to check uh, other podcasts on our website. There's tons of interesting discussions with very important and interesting individuals and experts. And once again, um, I'm Andriy Kornichu, Policy Analyst, International Relations. Thank you very much. And I hope to, uh, to talk to you and uh, soon. Bye.